0: Telly, Aguero. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Lewandowski goes through go! Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal.
1: I think he scored a goal every time he's had a shot.
0: What's going on, guys? We are back with the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We haven't seen you guys since last year. (laughs) Okay, I promise we got all the dad jokes out of the way. That's it. That's it. But with me as always is a man who is to me like comeback wins are to Bayern München, Billy. Terrible dad joke, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, It really is nice, isn't it? So for our first
1: episode of the new year, we're going to talk the problem at Chelsea, whether it's a player problem or a manager problem. We're going to talk, yes, we're going to talk Bayern Munich after that incredible comeback win. And we've got a discussion on your unpopular opinions.
0: Do you want to start with Chelsea? Because I'm, I'm itching.
1: I do. I, I'm itching to, to start with Chelsea because I've, I've got some statistics to bring out later. But we'll
0: just—it's—it just—it just just hurts. It really does because I'm not gonna lie. I was actually excited to see what Chelsea would do once they had you know their 200 million in new players. You know, putting that on the pitch and let's be honest—at least for me—Frank Lampard did did a job last season with the Chelsea team he had and the squad he did have. Transfer ban, all that stuff. He did do a job.
1: Yeah, but did he do a job because of the transfer ban and because of the players he had available? No
0: one expected anything from him. So you're saying it's a little bit more of, you know, outside pressure?
1: Well, I think... No, he's he's had no outside pressure. He rarely gets criticized to the extent that Arteta's been criticized, to the extent that Solskjaer's been criticized. Even... Pep Guardiola this season. You know, it's not all going City's way and Pep's come under a lot of criticism. And Frank Lampard
0: gets it. he seems to be a, like a media darling. Yeah, I mean this goes back to the to the thing we mentioned the in the last episode before the new year which was that Frank Lampard because of his position as an England legend somehow seems to have that free pass in the media. I think it's stupid. And you were thinking, with that City
1: team and the problems that they've got going on, uh, there's no better
0: time to play City, you'd have thought. Five players out due to coronavirus. Well, first-choice goalkeeper missing.
1: One of their there's best goal, The only striker they've got, really, because has not scored in the league for
0: nearly a year. Yeah, I mean, they played Kevin De Bruyne as, like, a false nine which I don't think I've ever seen Kevin De Bruyne play. I have. He played there uh, for Chelsea in his if one the, season he
1: had there. when they played, and,
0: they played United at Old Trafford. Case in point right there, it was when, uh, when Kevin De Bruyne played for Chelsea. This is before he went to Wolfsburg. And this is six years ago. If it helps, it was 0-0 when Andre Scherler hit the bar. I remember that game. <laughs> Jesus Christ, and Schürrle's retired. So I think <laughs> we've, we've come up with enough stuff to show that it's been a while. But I, I looked at
1: that Chelsea team today, and I was like, okay, Timo Werner's finally starting up front, and it would be the, the week I finally took him out of my dream team. <laughs> I pulled I pulled the the plug, and I was like, I've I got to take him out. And then Frank Lampard, there's witchcraft afoot here. And he finally played him up front. And you were just thinking the way Christian Pulisic was playing, Martin Tyler said it on commentary. There's no one for him to bounce it off of because Timo Werner's running the other way. I said to my brother, oh, if only they had Olivier Giroud or Tammy Abraham on the bench to bring on. Would be one... But then again, this is the thing. We criticize Frank Lampard when he doesn't play Timo Werner up front. I think it's then unfair to criticize him when he does play him up front.
0: I'll give you a little bit of a half and half on that one because yes... He finally played Timo Vanna in a position where he he wants to play and where he probably can play his best. On the other hand, we've said it time and time again, why doesn't he play two strikers? You know, Louis Beneventi said it a couple of weeks ago to me. He's so stubborn. I don't understand why he doesn't play with one post striker, one guy, you know, target man to shore up all the long balls and thread them through to Vanna and Vanna makes deep runs. Imagine you had a Christian Pulisic be or having the the Vanna and the Tammy Abraham, so he could bounce it off a Tammy Abraham, get it back, and Vanna makes a deep run. It's it's it is just another question mark because we've seen Lampard go through different formation, uh, not different formations, sorry, but different players in the same formation. You know, we've we've seen a Chelsea team that have that have been basically just rotated through time and time again this season whenever you know if it's down to tactical decisions or just you know down to pure need but it there's no real formation or no real player constellation in this one formation in the 4-3-3 that seems to work for Chelsea consistently so why doesn't he just change the formation
1: I think there's a stubbornness about him I'm getting, I'm getting shades of Bielsa, not in the sense that he's this supposed footballing genius, but in the sense that he's very stubborn and a refusal to alter a game plan when it clearly isn't working. Yes. It, it might work. You know, They might play their next game and it might, it might work against that particular team. But then if it's not working in a big game, you look at what Solskjaer does at United. When he'll play against Man City or a Liverpool, when he'll play that back three with two wingbacks. Instead of playing the expansive 4-2-3-1, you sacrifice one of your flair players, and you play a different system.
0: Yeah, I mean, if there's anyone who is a perfect example of adapting, even within a game, it's Frank Lampard's counterpart on the touchline tonight and that's Pep Guardiola. I mean, he he's probably criticized for rotating too much and changing too much even in 90 minutes.
1: I think yeah, there is an there is a an element of that and I think tonight when he wasn't given much of a a chance, you know, he wasn't given much of an option, but those players clicked for him. I mean, it took him like 15 20 minutes, but it just it just clicked for them. They just played and Again, is it a a player quality issue at Chelsea? Is it a motivational thing? Is Lampard not able to, like, G them up for a big game like this? Like, you shouldn't need to be motivated for a game against Man City.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. I think I want to touch on one thing because you said it took them a little bit of time to get going. Would you have given a penalty in that 12th minute when Verner was fouled, I think, by Rodri? See, it's difficult. When I. Seeing it live,
1: I thought he'd got the ball. I mean, it was outside the box. Or just on the line.
0: It started so, outside the box, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't have a longer look at it. But I don't think it would have changed anything, even if they had gone one up.
0: See, that's interesting because I thought it was a clip. I thought it was, you know, on the replays, on the individual replays, I thought that by the time Vanna was clipped, and, he, and in my opinion, he was clipped, and it should have been a penalty. And I feel like almost that was a breaking point. Because after that 12th minute, you know, 15th minute, Manchester City score. And it just went downhill from there. And we have to say, you know, no team should be, like, especially of the caliber Chelsea are, no team should be... Breaking down just because they don't get a penalty, but that just seemed to be, you know, the crux of the issue. Like after the 12th minute, just nothing happened for Chelsea until about the 89th minute when they pulled that one goal back.
1: Yeah, you you look at that and you think if that's the case, then there's a, a mentality issue. They're quite mm-hmm. weak mentally, and that can't be the the or it can't it can't be down to the players because as Pellegrineta, that was his 400th game for Chelsea, you know, N'Golo and Golo. And Golo yeah. Kante's won multiple Premier Leagues. And Timo Werner's done it for Leipzig. But I've got something. It's actually quite shocking. Because I think if any other manager other than Frank Lampard would have been sat by now.
0: That's a big shout. That's because a big he shout.
1: has the lowest points per game ratio of any manager under the and under Roman Abramovich so he's got 1.67 points per game Andre Villas-Boas who possibly arguably considered one of the worst managers at 1.7
0: Oof.
1: you know Gus Hiddink interim manager extraordinaire 1.94 Rafa Benitez
0: 1.96 so <laughs> It just gets worse the more you read out. I think
1: football is quite fickle and there's very little time for sentimentality. And Abramovich is quite rash anyway. I think there's a manager now in Thomas Tuchel available. There's a manager in Max Allegri who's been available for a long time.
0: So, would you go as far as to say Lampard needs to go and they need to bring in one of these experienced managers?
1: If I was Abramovich, I'd sack him tonight. Okay. Because it, it clearly isn't working. And people say, oh, I love his post match interviews. I don't. I think they're, they're as weak as his players are. Because he doesn't take responsibility. He's like, oh, the, oh they're hurting in there. Oh, really, Frank? They've just lost 3 0 in a game oh, on paper they probably should have won against. A, a team with
0: Zach Stefan in goal. It don't ask as Zach Stefan. I think he's, he, I think he's, he's not, not that bad of a keeper, but you're uh, right. He's, a, no, Premier League he's goalkeeper, no pick,
1: a Premier League goalkeeper picking up a back pass. I said it to you, like, I've not seen yeah. that in an age. That's,
0: okay. I, we okay. probably put that
1: down to nerves. That's unfair on the kid, but.
0: I was, I was about to say, because th- he definitely, I mean, against teams like Bayern, like Dortmund, um, when he was playing for Fortuna, he was, definitely doing a job, and he was showing that he had the caliber. But you're right. He's no Ederson, put it that way. I mean, Ederson is one of the best pingers of a ball I think I've ever seen in the goalkeeping position. So, definitely. But I want to go back to Lampard because, in my opinion, I still think it's too early to sack him. I think he should be given the full season. If at the end of this season it hasn't really improved and they finish... Below European places, and I mean below Europa League places, or they even finish sixth, then yes, I think you can. I think you can say, mm, I don't think it's it's worked out. But I think at this point, you know, it's just after Christmas. We're in the transfer. W- we're in the winter transfer window at the minute. I think it's too early to sack him just yet. In my I opinion, I know Abramovich likes to throw money at Chelsea,
1: but I don't think they'll be buying anyone major. In this window, I, I mean, very few people oh, no. buying anyone major. But the That's signings not. that Lampard's made haven't worked at the expense of the young players who did so well.
0: That is, I think, putting it perfectly, because you're completely right. Arguably, the only signing that I think has done a job is Ben Chilwell. And even he got pulled left and right by Raheem Sterling today yeah it just just goes to show how far he still has to go and you mentioned just before uh, talking about Lampard and possibly getting sacked you mentioned three players and I think they were it's 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 interesting you mentioned Aspilicueta, Vanna, and Kante because for me Werner again put in a performance that mm, not up up there with what he can do. It's not up to his potential. It's definitely not what we've seen him perform at Leipzig. It's just not 100% yet. Aspilicueta was leaving room for Phil Foden in that first half that no man should be doing with his experience. I mean, Phil Foden had about 25 yards of space every time the ball was played out wide to him. It was It was unbelievable. And then... N'Golo Kante, I have to say, sorry, Chelsea fans, but you're, you know, poster boy of being, you know, the nicest footballer on the planet and still being the best. N'Golo Kante is not the player who was winning Leicester, the title in midfield single-handedly or uh, performing uh, performing with unreal amounts of running in that 2016-17 Chelsea season, uh, title winning season, I should say. He is no – what he did – trying to post up to Raheem Sterling for Man City's third goal. It was just, it was like a schoolboy error, really. But I i don't think that's necessarily Kante's
1: fault. I think that's the way they've set out from that set piece. Because you don't put all of your
0: men forward. Yeah, okay. I, fair enough. But Kante is everyone everyone still I think there was just this hype around Kante after ha- after him having you know three good seasons, and to a certain extent, it was understandable you know the three good seasons he had, they were definitely good seasons, and for a center defensive mid he w- he did such a great job, but now he's just it just seems he's a shadow of the player he once was.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It's quite sad, because I quite liked him to Kante:
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely.
1: You know, it's difficult for for me not to enjoy when they're bad, but when it comes to the, the expense of players that did so well, like Tammy Abraham, yeah, he gets game time, but he's still being it's almost like an understudy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know. Anyway, that's my piece on the matter. To
0: be fair, we <laughs> we we attack Lampard for playing for not playing the players he buys for so much money in the position they want to play. But then we also do get annoyed when when the young players like Tammy Abraham, like Callum Hudson-Odoi aren't getting game time.
1: But that's the thing. I, I'm not expecting Frank Lampard to listen to this. And if you are... Change his mind. Hello, Frank. <laughs> but uh, we've said it, and countless other people say it as well. It's that almost, not a pivot, but that big man, little man, partnership up top. Yeah. There's no um, reason why you can't play Abraham and Werner in the same team yeah. and play Havertz or Ziyech at number 10 or Pulisic at number 10 and then play your three mid... And then play Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho.
0: Yeah, or you, do, or you don't... You know, you have either Kante or, Kov- uh, or Jorginho on the holding position and you let mason mount have a crack at it like it's just eh. it isn't a difficult fix
1: and frank lampard seems to be dragging it and making it a difficult situation which is why uh i'd sack him you rip the band-aid off now you don't peel it off gradually because it's going to be more it's going to be more difficult for chelsea come the end of the season if they don't have Champions League or even any European football. It will hurt them I, more I th- financially then
0: to sack him than it will now. Fair enough. I also say that if Chelsea, after spending 200 million on players, do not at least make Europa League places, that is that is enough of a reason to sack Frank Lampard. Because you... as as much as we said, and you know, even when when we had Dev Bajwa on on our podcast, and he also was an advocate for saying, you know, give Lampard time to get the boys to gel, basically, and you know, give them give them time to acclimate to the to the Premier League, the new signings at least, and then give them time to form a cohesive unit. You know, if you don't form a cohesive unit within a season after spending that much money, it is. Mm, it, it's there's all, It's almost inexcusable.
1: Yeah. I'm not expecting every signing to gel one week into training, but the, oh, no. the money they spent, the players they've got in, they're not bad players by any stretch yeah. of the imagination.
0: I mean, we just, just before we move on, I want to touch on Thiago Silva because on two of the goals, he did not look good. I mean, when Gunduan skips past him or turns past him uh, to shoot, he looks like a statue and this is you know it goes back to the one of those things where we say there's a reason they those players don't get new contracts at the clubs they they were at there's a reason Thiago Silva didn't get a new contract at PSG
1: yeah it's the same same thing when people were like oh well William got a hat-trick of assists on his first game for Arsenal like great and what's he done since like there's a reason Chelsea didn't offer him a new deal yeah, they might have the odd good performance because they are still talented players. But if a competent board or a competent manager can see that player's on the decline and they're going to have more bad games or more off games than on games next season, it's not worth me keeping them.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I think we've, we've picked at Chelsea enough and it's time to now pick at Bayern because I said it in, in, the, in the intro. Yes, they are the kings of the comeback having now come back from being a goal behind, or in tonight's case, two goals behind, eight times in the last eight games. Granted, they've won them all, but there's a clear, there's, there's a clear problem because you're Bayern Munich and you, you are consistently conceding the goal and you're the, consistently the first team to concede in a match. But there is something that's off there.
1: I can't quite put my finger on it. And it makes me think of... It makes me think of Manchester United's away record in the Premier League this season. They've won every away game this season. But in every away game, they've gone one goal down. Yeah, I, can't, yeah. I don't understand why a group of professional players, especially Bayern players, who won everything there was to win last season, can't yeah. start a game... Not necessarily in top gear, but can't start a game against Mainz, which they should be winning anyway, oh, by com- by, quite
0: comfortably. <laughs> I mean, by, by, by all means, because Mainz are second to last in the league. They've just fired their manager, but which by the way is the second managerial sacking they've, they've had this season. They've got an interim manager at the minute. They hadn't... I mean, that's it at all. An interim manager who took over just before the new year.
1: Well, I mean, when they you're 2-0 sh- down to a team managed by Jan Siwat, who was manager of Huddersfield Town in their brief stint in the Premier League after they sacked David Wagner.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's, it's baffling. That being said, you have to tip your hat, actually, to Zivet because in those first 50 minutes... They ran Bayern, and they ran Bayern at their home ground. Fans or not, you're at your home pitch. You'd expect Bayern in the Allianz Arena to come out with with some presence. And they were getting run left, right, and center. I mean, they, there's a reason Flick took Boateng and Pava off at halftime. Because it just wasn't working on the right-hand side defensively.
1: I was going to say, it was that right-hand side that you were exposed oh yeah basically and to put Joshua Kimmich there and when he brought on Leon Goretzka and Nicholas Sula it was probably the right thing to do maybe still on winter break maybe but again like you've just had some time off you should be refreshed yeah for a, a team at Bayern's level, I think probably inexcusable, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kimmich started the next game at right back, and Niklas Sula started
0: the next game as well. See, it's interesting because in in the analysis afterwards on Sky Sports, it was it was more of a more of a thing that they were quoting, um, or at least Lota Matios was saying. You know, it's that is almost the genius of Flick to basically adapt and say. You know, much much in, uh, in comparison to what Frank Lampard doesn't do. I was going to say,
1: <laughs> amazing what you can do as a manager when you adapt, when a game plan isn't working. But.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, if, if it had been Frank Lampard managing Bayern, I guarantee you Pava and Boateng would have played the full 90 minutes and Boateng probably would have gotten a yellow-red at the end of it because that was more the reason why he was taken off. It is, but it is just the fact that, you know, that Flick adapts and he said, you know, Yozo Akimic wasn't needed in central midfield this game. He was needed to show up the right back and put some, some as, as funny as it sounds to say, because Kimi is by no means the paciest of players, but put some pace to back up Leroy Sané on that right-hand side, because Leroy Sané had nothing to back. No man was backing him up when Pava was playing down that right-hand side. It was kind of just, mm, let's see what he can do on his own. And you know that's a player where already people are saying, uh, he's not performing at his best. Yeah, let's go on and heap on the pressure when he doesn't even have backup. That's great. <laughs> then he'll definitely perform. Funnily enough, he did this game. That being said, it is just down to, you know, I think it's down to a manager who actually adapts.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a good idea to take Pavard off. And this might be controversial to you, but I don't rate him at all. And I think he's he's living off that goal he scored in the World Cup.
0: is because- not... If All he surprises. doesn't,
1: okay. If he doesn't score that goal, he's not thrust into the limelight, and I don't think Bayern signed him.
0: I disagree in that sense because Bayern were definitely eyeing him as a right back to back up Kimish at the time. Because remember, this is a, this was the eighteen nineteen season where um, it was it was Bayern who were looking to sign Pava early because he was doing a job at, uh, or he had done a job in the previous seasons at Stuttgart. The funny thing was, Bayern locked up that signing in the winter before he was due to move. And then that second half of the season, Stuttgart just kind of fell apart. And that was the season they got relegated. So many people were having question marks, big question marks, because Pava came from a relegated Stuttgart and then had that World Cup, where, as you said, he has that goal and then he is signed. He took a little bit of time to start to get going, but I found he definitely was. There was a reason Bayern were defensively sound on their way to all five titles, and that was because of Pavar. But this season, I completely agree with you. He isn't. I I don't rate him either. This season is just not going well for him.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's a Bayern standard of player. If Bayern. Well, we know Bayern, they're a top team anyway. And I think if a top team should have top players. I mean, you can't have top players in every position, but I think he's well below the level. Yeah, And it wouldn't surprise me if, not necessarily next week, but towards the end of the season, that young player, I can't quite remember his name. Chris Richards? Chris Richards, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Richards gets more and more game time as the season progresses.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's 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 a weird one, because you're definitely right. I think there were also a lot of Questions asked of Bayern's board, especially Zali Hasan Zalihamidžić, who was in charge of that, um, when he, when he, when Pava was signed, because it was a little bit, as you said, does he really have the standard? And there were definitely times last season where I thought he definitely does have that standard, but this season so far is just not going well. I think last
1: season Bayern were that good; he could probably get away with it. And I remember watching I think it was the I think it was Mainz' last season, actually. I watched it with you and your dad, mm. and Mainz went one no ahead, and it was Benjamin
0: Pavard's fault.: Right. That they went right. one no ahead. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, see that, that's what I mean. It's just it is one of those. Mm. But I think the fact that you went and then scored six. Five. probably
1: <laughs> dilutes the, the error. And the fact oh, yeah,
0: oh, you mean, yeah, okay, the previous game. Yeah, the fact that
1: Bayern scored five <clears throat> today will probably, again, dilute the fact that he was taken off at halftime.
0: I think it'll dilute the fact that, in general, they went down 2-0 in the first half. It, it's, just like, it's just like it was diluted that, they, that Red Bull Salzburg ran them in the first half of their first game uh, against Bayern in the group stages when they played in Salzburg but then Bayern end up winning 6-2 because at some point they just break down the team enough that they they the, the defense is just powerless to resist i'd say it's similar it's a similar thing here because you know inside 11 minutes Bayern went from being 2-0 down to tying it up at 2-2 with sane pulling an iron and pulling ones from right to left and it's just it's just the caliber of, of of a team that Bayern have is where you know they they've said mm, okay you've had your fun but let's turn on the turbo now and let's get it. And it was just uh, it was just that thing. And to complete that whole set to complete the segment, Kimmich, since he has returned, he uh, he was. The either the scorer or the assister to the three Bayern goals, including the two against Leverkusen and the one, or the first one, against Mainz today. Just goes to show how important he is for that team. And you got the assist
1: for Sale's goal as well.
0: Exactly. I, I mean, he's just... Bayern definitely did miss him during that small slump they had in, in October-November.
1: It wouldn't be a Bayern win without a Lewandowski goal. Or two. Or in this
0: two. Is. <laughs> uh, he is. He is just ridiculous, uh, and he still is. He's on nineteen goals now in the Bundesliga. It's crazy. In Fourteen matches. Fourteen.
1: Question: Will he yes. do? Will he get as many goals as he did last season?
0: I mean, he's on track to do so right now. It's just a fact of will the schedule or the Titan schedule do do a number on the Bayern team this season because he does he does he's certainly gotten rotated more this season and Chupo Muting's also come in and done, done his part but then again we also have to just take into account you know they've rotated and Lewandowski still has 19 goals in 14 Bundesliga games so I don't know I'd say yes
1: uh, just before we leave the Bundesliga and get on to unpopular opinions, I just want to talk James Sancho quickly, ever so briefly, because he got yeah. his first goal today against Wolfsburg, first goal of the season.
0: Well, first Bundesliga goal. He de- he. This is I think I like that you mentioned this because he kind of broke that that dry spell that he had scoring in the dfb Pokal round against Eintracht Braunschweig, when Dort- Dortmund scraped that very narrow 2-0 win. And ever since then, he's now kind of, he's, he's livened up a bit. You know, a goal and an assist today. He did miss an open goal, though. Yeah, but he still at least scored an assist. Uh, that, that, that's a positive note. So I'm trying to go with the positives here. Yeah,
1: well, on. I just want to, I'm going to butcher this, so please correct me. Dortmund's hmm. CEO, Hans Joachim Watzke.
0: Oh, yeah. Aki Vatska is his nickname. Aki is his nickname. But yeah, Vatska. That's the one.
1: So he said, uh, this is in kicker. So subconsciously, Jaden might have prepared himself for change. I think he had thought so much about it that he lost his ease. So all that stuff last season, oh, he's not leaving, he's not leaving, he's not leaving. It does play on a player's mind. Especially a 20-year-old. Someone so young to go back to his home country and I don't want to beat this, because at, at, this, at this moment in time, it's like flogging a dead horse for me. <laughs> but I'm glad he's got his first goal. It's the point I'm trying to make. Like, I'm yeah. glad he's finally got his first Bundesliga goal. I'm glad that he got his he got an assist as, as well today. I want him to do well, because he's good for England. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you can just imagine if he had, if if United you know, had paid that money, and he had the same... Say he only got his first goal against Aston Villa. Mm, mm. People will be like, "Oh my God, it's like another, it's like another Memphis."
0: But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue, isn't it? But
1: I'm glad he's he's finally off the mark, and long may it continue.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I think we've talked enough uh, fresh action. But you guys did send in some lovely unpopular opinions, which we thought we wouldn't leave for a single episode all on their own. So without further ado, we will come to your unpopular opinions list. And we have for you right now, six of them. And we shall go through each one, hopefully, in as much detail as possible. So I think we'll start with First opinion, Patrick Bamford is in the top five of number nines in the Premier League.
1: Not in the cat in hell's chance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry.
1: No. If he wasn't English, people wouldn't rate Patrick Bamford.
0: I think that's a fair assessment, especially when you have, you know, strikers like Harry Kane in that top five, obviously, but also, you know, to a certain extent, even Sergio Aguero. When he's on, a, when he's you know injury free, you have a uh, Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino. Although Salah doesn't technically class as a full-on number nine, but you know Roberto Firmino. There, there's a lot of players you could probably name to to be ahead of Patrick Bamford.
1: It's, Should we move on? <laughs> I just just one last thing. It's not the fact that he he plays for Leeds. It's not the fact of any of that. I just think. There's a reason he didn't make it at Chelsea. If he's as good as everyone claims he is, he'd be where Tammy Abraham is.
0: Tammy Abraham is better
1: than Patrick Bamford.
0: Yeah.
1: He he might not have as many goals this season as Patrick Bamford because he doesn't start every game for Chelsea. Patrick Bamford is the only number nine Leeds have.
0: Yeah. And as you've said plenty of times, Leeds play Cavalier football.
1: I hate it (laughs) when people say that. (laughs) But this isn't about leads, So, unfortunately, uh, that is an
0: unpopular opinion. Uh, so, we're classing it as unpopular, that one. Moving on. Fans' perception of the best players in their position is based on how well they are marketed.
1: Do you want to take this one?
0: It's easy to say because, you know, that makes, it, that makes it, you know, oh, okay, you know, all the Premier League players are always going to be considered better. Yes, it is easy to say, but on the other hand, I feel like players who are in the Premier League because they just watch that much more because they're marketed better are instantly classed as being better than most Bundesliga players, for instance, because the Bundesliga is not as widely watched. And when I talk about this, I'm literally talking about the things that directly influence stuff like the FIFA Best Awards or the Ballon d'Or. You know, obviously, FIFA Best Awards this season different story, but it was kind of hard to not put in a bunch of players from Bayern, you know, winning the titles that they did. But I think in previous years, you know, when you had the team just filled with players, not just the, from the Premier League, but, you know, also from Real Madrid and Barcelona, who arguably after Manchester United are the best marketed teams in football worldwide, that they, you know, they live a little bit off the hype from, from the media, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and to go a slightly different direction with this, but the way players are marketed, I think when you talk about United's players or Real Madrid's players, I think when you the fact you've got people in Asia with Phil Jones shirts and things like that is utterly astounding.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and it's just because of the way their mark. You know, his their faces are just on everything from like noodles to coolant for the car engine. Yeah, yeah. It's, an over- it's a level of exposure I don't think any other industry has.
0: Except maybe in uh, some of the American sports in the US itself, I think. But overall, worldwide, yes. Definitely agree with you. So what are we saying? Popular opinion? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Fair enough. Popular opinion it is. Moving on to number three on the list. This, and this is my is one's- favorite <laughs> This is my favorite,
1: and I know exactly who, who put this in. I played golf for him today. <laughs> Ryan Babel is historically the best player <laughs> Fulham has ever seen. <laughs> it's a popular opinion because he got 12 goals in 91 appearances. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face. I'm sorry. Funny story is that... Uh... <laughs> Funny story. I think, was it Kenny Dalglish was the manager at the time?
0: Oh, yeah, Kenny Dalgleish.
1: They, so they, when he left Liverpool, they supposedly agreed to deal with Hoffenheim. Kenny Dalglish said, no, he's not leaving. He's here to stay. The next day, he flew to Germany inside <laughs> <Ball that laughs> So, you know. <laughs> and when he came back and played for Fulham, he had to dye his hair red because we all knew he was a scouser at heart.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, also just saying that when you've got players like... Steven Gerrard, Mohamed Salah, <laughs> Jamie Carragher, Fernando J- yeah, exactly. Torres. Even Daniel Agger to that extent. What a man. Oh, what a guy. I think Daniel Agger was the... He, he. Him and Sergio Ramos are, are center backs in their own class. You know, just overly aggressive, but also such good center backs.
1: <laughs> it was that center back pairing of Agger and Skirtle, the thuggest oh, yeah. centre-back pairing going.
0: Like, literally bouncers.
1: Well, that's the thing. You think? Oh, you, you picture Martin Skirtle, skinhead, angry. yeah. yeah. He played for Istanbul with here against Manchester United in the Champions League. He's got a proper, decent hairline. Has that he actually? Was, that was by no. choice. <laughs> what? <laughs> that look was oh, a choice, and he stuck with it. And I have to respect him for that. Oh, respect Respect the drip, Karen. Oh, I'm just, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that opinion.
0: <laughs> with uh, Take that with a grain of salt, people. So, so in all seriousness, I mean, I know it was probably put in as a joke, but still, we're labeling this one as a very unpopular opinion. <laughs> very unpopular. Moving on. To a serious one, I'm now taking a look at our fourth opinion is CTE or brain damage will be widespread in soccer or football ten years from now. Interesting one, but I'd argue not really because then we would have already seen it by now. Yeah, because look at how many it, great players you see it, retired
1: with a lot of the older players that use the big, heavy leather balls.
0: Yeah, but even with them, I'd argue it's not as bad. I mean, if obviously I'm drawing on contrast from the CTE that was discovered in American football players because that damage was extensive, and you had and you've had multiple instances where professional players in the early 2000s were committing suicide because of it, and. The reason I'd argue in, foot- in football, it's not going to be as much as in American football is because in football, you're, yes, you're heading the ball. And every time losing brain cells, yes, but it's not hits to the head that are as brutal as they might be in American football or even rugby. And in, in rugby, it's even not as bad as in American football because they know they're hitting each other without padding. I think in American football, it's just such a problem because they think because of the pads they've got and they're wearing helmets that they can just go full force every time.
1: Yeah, and there's the the whole rule. I don't know whether it's the same in Germany, but kids under a certain age in England, you're not allowed to head the ball, which I I get, but I don't necessarily agree with because you know, I, you, you yeah, head a ball... Yeah two or three times once a week in football training, it's not going to make your kid slow or disadvantaged in any way. But no, it, like I say, it's, it's a lot of the older players with the heavier balls. It's like 42% of the 66 World Cup winning team have or did have some kind of brain injury.
0: Wow. Okay. Like, so that's more than, that's more than I thought it would be.
1: Well, Last thing, Jack Charlton had it, who's, uh, you know, sadly passed away. Bobby Charlton has dementia. Mm. You know, I'm not saying it's specifically come from heading a ball, but those balls, that heavy, you know, they, yeah. they talk about when they got wet, they just use
0: like doubling weight. And it's like, it can't be good for you. No, no. So all in all. This is a hard one because I don't want to class it as an unpopular opinion because I don't think it's unpopular to have a look at the type of trauma that may come from heading balls, and I think you know brain damage and CTE is not something to be you know laughed at or joked about. But at the end of the day, I'd still say I'm still going to label it as an unpopular opinion just due to the fact that I don't believe that in ten years from now, football players will have a will be showing a spike in brain injuries that are that are clearly related to heading a ball just because from recent history you know if we if we had said this in 2010 arguably the balls have not changed in a significant fashion since 2010
1: so no they just have they just had little grooves put in them to make them stay straight and not dip
0: it's like that Jabulani ball for the World Cup 2010 where all the goalkeepers was like, oh, it doesn't fly right. Oh, and Diego <laughs> Forlan knew how to hit those balls. Oh, what a player. Anyways, we're labeling that one an unpopular opinion just because we don't believe so or we disagree. But always nice to see that some of our fans are also having a serious thought about these. Moving on. If the ball touches the hand, it should be a handball. Clear rule, less problems. I disagree with that completely. Go on, take it away then.
1: Well, (laughs) okay. So this might not be what they meant when they said it, but from the way I've interpreted that question is even if like my hand is down by my side, if it hits my hand, that's a penalty because then you could just have players aiming for hands, you know, Oh, it's come to the edge of the box. I'm just going to, or it's, you know, it's come to me. I'm just going to hit it at a player.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: think it's really murky the handball rule anyway. Because oh yeah. I remember again <laughs> this was so funny. Against Leicester, Eric Bae is pointing to where he wants the ball. Yeah. Fred goes to play it back to David De Gea and it just hits Baye on the arm because he's pointing to where he wants it to go. <laughs> um it happened again, I think it was Eric Dyer. Yeah, yeah was running back towards his own goal, it hit his arm. That's a penalty. It was like, okay, so what are you gonna do? You're gonna run with your hands down by your side and run like a penguin? Yeah, so,
0: uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've now
1: got VAR. So now it should be so much easier to determine whether they've gained an advantage or whether it was deliberate or not. Because it's very difficult to you know, if, some, if, if the ball's coming to my left and I flick my hand up to flick it away from goal, it's very difficult to make that look accidental. That's a very yeah. deliberate movement.
0: I always liked it when it was just clear where you say, if you're increasing the surface area of your body and, it's, and the ball strikes you anywhere between below the... Sh- so basically the upper arm, but below the shoulder and the hand, then it's a handball that made sense to me, especially the part where you're increasing the surface area of your own body, because that makes sense. You know, you're using your arm slash hand to unfairly stop the trajectory of the ball when you're only supposed to be using everything, everything, but so I, I liked it better that way, but you know, it's, they keep changing it to try and make it better. And in the end, they just make it worse.
1: Yeah. It's kind of when they changed it, Uh, Not the last time, the time before that. So from the, if you're making your body surface area bigger, it's almost like if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's almost like adding or changing it for changing its sake.
0: Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be
1: surprised if they changed it again.
0: (laughs) I mean, take a look at, you know, Axel Witsa in the match against uh, Vospo today. It's a definite handball because one, he is... <laughs> He's increasing the surface area, all right. I mean, it's <laughs> elbow. exactly
1: it's like giving it the people's elbow. It's like watching WWE. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Love that, but yeah, it was <laughs> and it still wasn't given. I mean, VR had a shocker in the Bundesliga today, anyway. Uh, that being said, but I th- but we we've we've talked about VR so often on this podcast, so I think we we just can't do it again. It's just it's becoming too much, it's becoming too much. Anyways, to so we, wrap up that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll label that unpopular because I think any, if it
1: touches your hand anywhere, I think you, you're going to get players aiming for hands.
0: It's a bit too vague, yeah, isn't it? All right, the final one. Arsenal aren't doing well, but Manchester United have done worse and spent way more money. Oh, totally. I think it's I think I can agree with that just if you look at the history of Manchester United especially the year the years directly after Fergie left
1: oh god yeah like I we mean, might have won an FA cup under Lou van Hall but it was all oh, god awful football David Morris, let's we talk about that year the better
0: there is ah. also the money that was thrown you know at, 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 at players that just didn't bring anything to the table. I mean, £500,000 a week for Alexis Sanchez. And he scored, what, four goals in the year that he spent with United? Yeah, I don't know how... I
1: don't know why that didn't go very well. Because at the time, he was playing really well for Arsenal.
0: It also just begs the question why Arsenal thought that they could literally let their best player leave. Well, that's it. I think there's... (sighs) So, he says
1: that United have done worse and have spent way more money, but also United have been more heavily criticized for it.
0: True, true. I think this also is the perfect time to mention what we have also posted on our socials, which is the fact that, you know, the worst arguably, or has, has been labeled by some as the worst Arsenal team in history were only three points behind the title contending Chelsea team And this was before they played Manchester City tonight.
1: It's ridiculous what a a few good wins can do for you in the Premier League.
0: Also, to add in, everyone who says Andre Lacazette is just... uh, Sorry, not Andre. Alexandre Lacazette is just such a bad striker and they don't understand how much how Arsenal have spent any money on him. He has the same amount of goals as Marcus Rashford in the Premier League and one more goal than Sadio Mane. Make of that what you will.
1: Yeah, but that's this point of the season, like.
0: Well, yeah, obviously, amount, but still,
1: <laughs> I don't want to say the hype around Lacazette because there was a lot of hype when he signed. There was, there just, was. It's just not happened for him at Arsenal.
0: You know, he's yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, two goals against West Brom, great. I I could have put those goals in against that West Brom team.
0: I'd also argue that Kieran Tierney's performance against West Brom was a more standout one. But we all know that just because he's got he's done something to his blood where he can warm up in snow in a short sleeve and T shirt. See, this is gonna be this this
1: might be an unpopular opinion, but that win for Arsenal yesterday means nothing. Because that West Brom team are just whipping boys in the Premier League. At this to the, I was at this about
0: point. to say, they lost, they lost 5-0 to Leeds United, and your Leeds, have been, Leeds were, up till that point, the worst defensive team in the Premier League.
1: You know, so the, the fact that Arsenal aren't doing well, yeah, they're not doing very well, and they're being criticised for it. But United have done worse and have spent more money, and yeah, but they've also been way more heavily criticised. You think the amount of a, a criticism that Paul Pogba gets or has gotten in the past, the amount of criticism Solskjaer has gotten in the past. You know, people were saying, oh, maybe Jose Mourinho should just retire because he's clearly lost his, his spark for management.
0: He's kind of found it again, I'd say. That's
1: what I mean. Like, No one's calling for Mikel Arteta to be, you Retired. know, to retire. Yeah.
0: So what would you say, all in all? Unpopular opinion or popular? I'm, I mean,
1: the point is valid. I think it's an. Un- I think it's unpopular because, from the sounds of it, it's almost like we haven't been criticizing United as much as we have Arsenal. When, if anything, it's been worse. The only reason Arsenal's looks worse is because of the goons at Arsenal Fan TV. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know that I'm always a big advocate for that point. So unpopular opinion in the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, having wrapped up the unpopular opinions section, that'll do it for the first episode of 2021. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, follow us on all our social media. We are ever so grateful. And we already have seen a bunch of you having a bigger look at our social media channels especially instagram we love all the activity going on there all the comments all the likes keep it up guys we love it but thanks so much for listening guys keep calm love the beautiful game